We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. The U.S. Constitution obligates our government to preserve and protect the rights that our founders recognize come from God, our creator, not our government. I believe that scripture in the Bible is very clear that God is the one that raised up each of you and God has allowed us to be brought here to this specific moment in time. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Well, good morning. And Israel and Hamas extend the ceasefire for two additional days. So this, according to Town Hall this morning, a deal to extend the current four-day ceasefire between Hamas and Israel in exchange for additional hostages was reached Monday afternoon. The hope is that the additional two-day ceasefire will allow for more time for hostages to be released by Hamas, including Americans, in exchange for violent Palestinian prisoners being held in Israel jails. Uh, The announcement was made by Qatar, a country harboring Hamas leaders in swanky hotels and working as a broker between the two parties. So joining me now to discuss this and more is our good friend Ron Coleman, who is the host of his own podcast, Coleman Nation, and you should be following him on X. And uh, he is also an attorney with the Dillon Group. So, Ron, good morning. And, you know, I've been following this, and there have also been news reports that Hamas has uh, really appreciated this ceasefire because they're using the time strategically to recover from uh, Israel's uh, retaliation and their retaliatory attacks. So, is this wise to be negotiating with terrorists? Hi, Jenna. You know, there isn't really any good answer here. You know, you have the opportunity to have children and 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 women and uh, other hostages released. Once you get into hostages, you're you're really in a very bad way. I mean, I do think that everyone who can put two and two together understands that when you negotiate with kidnappers, you invite more kidnapping. And in fact, that's exactly what happened. The United States sort of uh, kicked off this round of kidnapping by paying ransom, a massive multi-billion dollar ransom for American hostages to Iran. And the signal went out through uh, that rogues gallery that kidnapping was back and ransom was back. And that became a major part of of the Hamas October 7th attack. On the other hand, it is politically almost impossible to resist the opportunity to get some of your people back. I'm not a military expert, and I'm not privy to any classified information, but I, I would say that, uh, of course, Hamas is taking the opportunity to recover tactically from what the Israelis uh, have uh, been doing uh, with them uh, over the last month or so. But I also don't doubt that the Israelis are taking advantage uh, to monitor what Hamas is doing. To some extent, that could actually redound to Israel's benefit. Uh, but 
you know, more than that, I guess we won't know for a few more days. Yeah, and, and I think that that's um, really fair commentary, uh, frankly, from Ron Coleman, um, our guest this morning, and uh, my good friend, because, uh, you know, as one um, commentator said in uh, the Times of Israel in this op-ed, um, the war with Hamas is forcing Israel to choose between Israel's body or soul. And and I think that, um, that that's really a good description of how Israel is having to look at um, all of these hostages and determine, you know, exactly how they're going to proceed. And it's really a difficult situation. And so, you know, how um, how how does Israel proceed in terms of um, looking to America for help? And because there are still some American Israeli hostages and we've seen that the Biden administration is. Um, it is really conflicted, it looks like, because um, there's there has been outward a projection from the Biden administration and, and some collaboration in terms of helping with this. But then on the other hand, they've been sympathetic to some of the Palestinian uh, protesters, even in our own country. So how much of this do you think is Israel self-sufficient or relying on allies and important allies like the U.S.? Well, there's no question that Israel uh, is a country that has to take into consideration what other countries, uh, you know, how other countries view its policies, especially countries such as the United States that it relies on for uh, support. I do think you're right that there's a, there's conf- there's, there are conflicted messages coming out of the White House because the, the uh, Democratic Party is in turmoil over this entire event. This was one of those sort of existential threats to its existence because it is a coalition party. Many aspects of the coalition are incompatible with each other. And as in, in, when times are good, when things are calm, you can use your coalition to do you know amazing political things. But when fractures occur in that coalition, especially fractures as serious as those between uh, the, the large percentage of Jews who support the Democratic Party and who are in influential positions in the Democratic Party, on the one hand, and both Muslims and American blacks who are not friendly to Israel and who are also important coalition members, on the other hand, you're going to have conflict. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a really uh, difficult situation, and we pray for everyone in Israel and everyone affected, and um, continue to support Israel. And Elon Musk even uh, visited Israel and um, toured some of the areas that were attacked by Hamas. And uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Monday said um, in an X space that he wants to help rebuild and de-radicalize. Uh, Gaza after the end of the Israel-Hamas war. Um, he said, quote, we have to demilitarize Gaza after the destruction of Hamas, and we would like to de-radicalize Gaza, and then we also have to help rebuild. Um, he said in a live chat with uh, Musk on X, and Musk said, I'd like to help as well, before mentioning the importance of rebuilding Japan and Germany after World War II. So uh, this is continuing to escalate, and we're seeing some of these conflicts around the world. We had, um, f- for uh, the audience who, who loves uh, Jill Rose who's the editor-in-chief of All Israel News. We had him on for an update yesterday. And if you missed
that as well. We also were talking about another topic, uh, Ron Coleman, that I wanted to get your uh, expertise on, which is the situation going on in Ireland with the hate speech law that Ireland is preparing to pass this week. The prime minister said that he wants to push that through and is arguably the most radicalized legislation of its kind that we've seen across the West. Um, This comes, of course, in the wake of the protests from some very notable um, Irish citizens that don't like the the massive immigration and the lack of, um, of securing their own border, not putting Ireland first as their citizens rightly uh, should view. So from this perspective, um, how dangerous is this type of hate speech law and how could that ultimately um, be a, a playbook for the, the radicalized left and the extremists that want to uh, forcibly compel this type of a government system across the West, including the United States? Well, you know, Jenna, first of all, I know you didn't mean to suggest otherwise. I'm not an expert on Irish law or society, but like you, I have a great interest in free speech. Uh, we recognize that Ireland does not have a First Amendment. In fact, no other or, or its equivalent. Virtually no country does. In fact, to sort of cover itself, Ireland has in the in the preamble to the proposed legislation alluded to its obligations under the uh, European community governing law, uh, which is incredibly cynical, although to some extent there's a greater truth to it. I mean, European law does provide, uh, and to some extent understandably, uh, certain provisions that restrict hate speech in a way that would be impossible in the United States. They have written, as you observe, a very radical law, which not only prohibits hate speech, but defines it, as you would expect, very vaguely as any expression that could possibly lead to uh, to violence or, I think, you know, even other kinds of adverse, the threat of violence action against, um, you know, a protected or minority class. It will, it, 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 on its strict terms, it would basically give Irish law enforcement the power to arrest anyone, just about anyone, just about any time, for just about anything. Which, which is incredibly insane, and um, and this is something that is fundamentally um, infringing upon basic rights that all people should have, regardless of whether they they have these protections enumerated in a Bill of Rights like the United States has. And you're right that Ireland doesn't have a First Amendment, a Fourth Amendment, for example, against unreasonable search and seizure uh, by the government. Um, some of these things, I was uh, speaking on my podcast yesterday to the, the head of the Irish Freedom Party, um, who was saying that, you know, he has been prosecuted by the Irish government. And, you know, if they want to, the police want to come and just take your cell phone and force you to open it and show what you have. Um, that's the kinds of things that they're dealing with over there. And so you mentioned, Ron Coleman, that this kind of thing is impossible in the U.S. because of some of these protections, but we're seeing the slow erosion of those protections in the United States. Do you really think that it's, that it is actually impossible that we will get there or are we slowly eroding even those protections that are enumerated in our Bill of Rights? Well, let's put it this way. We have, it's impossible to pass a law like this, but it's not 
impossible for that law to be ignored. And it, there's no question that it. there have always been examples of where constitutional rights have been ignored, but we have been living in the, over the last five years through an era in which it has been ignored on a, on a very wide-scale basis. And uh, the judiciary, whose job it is to protect uh, people's rights, have been part of the process of eroding them. No question about it. Yeah, and that's what's really unfortunate, Ron Coleman, is to see that the the safeguard really in our system and a separation of powers is to ensure that the judiciary is protecting and preserving the the fundamental rights um, and the constitutional protections of Americans and. Um, and, and if you're aware of the judiciary system in, in Ireland, again, you know, the, the Irish Freedom Party uh, president yesterday, if, if uh, for those who want to listen uh, to my podcast, it's at the Jenna Ellis show dot com. Um, he was talking about how the judiciary in in Ireland really doesn't help. And it sounded and it mirrored um, very much the United States, but th- they're a little bit further ahead in terms of. Um, the erosion of their protections, and we've seen that they've been kind of a cautionary tale uh, to the United States. And so um, how does that system, I mean, how, how can we prevent America from going in that way and, and ensuring that we have originalist judges and, you know, some of these protections? Because I think that's a, a huge problem that a lot of people are concerned with. Well, they should be concerned. Uh, you know, to, I don't think there are too many policymakers or or judges, and unfortunately, judges are policymakers, um, who look to Ireland for leadership. Ireland isn't has, has really detached itself, understandably given its history from the Anglo-Saxon um, legal tradition that our judiciary and our our judicial system is historically. Um, based on uh the uk isn't a lot better but it is better uh, there is much more of a, of a tradition there um of free speech again it, it, it isn't like a first amendment situation what can we do all we can do is what we keep doing which is to con- con- continue speaking out about it those of us who are in practice have to continue pushing back and we have to elect if, you know certainly at the at the highest level, for president, the person who has responsibility for appointing judges, those appointments are critical. It makes every every bit of difference in the world. Absolutely, it does. And that's true on uh, the state level as well. Everyone should understand uh, their judicial system in their state. Um, do you have a retention state? Do you vote to keep in judges? Um, how is, does that appointment process work? All of those things so important. So Ron Coleman, really appreciate your time as always. You can listen to his podcast, The Coleman Nation, and follow him at Ron Coleman on X. And we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the morning.
If you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for healthcare. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the healthcare needs of hundreds of thousands of Christians, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost-sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods, since they are not insurance, but a faith-based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. It all starts with a visit to chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health share ministry serving all 50 states. Share the good news with a friend too. chministries.com slash AFR. Make the switch today with any time enrollment. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back. And as the GOP primary continues to get even more contentious and we continue uh, to rapidly escalate until uh, we get to the Iowa caucuses, we need to, as a as Christian conservative voters, always, always be pursuing truth and not simply siloed into uh, pushing back against our opposition and we all have our preferred candidates and that is fine, but we should always be doing uh, the business of discussing politics and policy and engaging in civil government in a way that ultimately pursues truth. And one of the things that uh, was really disappointing, quite frankly, that uh, happened this week is that Bob Vanderplatz, who is the uh, president and CEO of the family leader, uh, was accused by former President Trump of quote unquote, scamming candidates. And this came after uh, Bob Vanderplatz endorsed Florida Governor Ron DeSantis earlier uh, last week, telling Fox News that Republicans, quote, need to find somebody who can win in 2024. And so uh, Donald Trump took to Truth Social and posted uh, really what was a, a blatant lie against uh, Bob Vanderplatz accusing uh, him of scamming candidates, of taking money for an endorsement. And so Governor DeSantis actually uh, went on media and um, he, and I believe this was on Fox News, and actually denounced uh, that false attack against Bob Vanderplatz and also some of these attacks against Governor Kim Reynolds out of Iowa. This is what Governor DeSantis had to say. This is cut one. It's a very influential group of evangelicals in Iowa. They've hosted a number of major events. They had a summer event. We just had the Thanksgiving Forum. So they're paying to be able to be in programs and to be able to advertise uh, the candidacy. And that happens. That's frequently happened. But uh, Bob Vanderplatz's endorsement is not for sale. Uh, he's got a great reputation. He's become a friend. Of, of Casey and me along the way. He's very influential in Iowa. And so it's a scurrilous charge. It's without merit. And, you know, if somebody endorses somebody other than you, you don't always have to lash out and attack the person who made the endorsement. It's a primary. People can have uh, different choices in this, and there's not always an ulterior motive. So uh, I think the attacks against Bob Vanderplatz have been, have been out of bounds, just as I think the attacks against Governor Kim Reynolds have been out of bounds. 
And I agree with that. And so we invited our good friend Bob Vanderplatz uh, to join us this morning, and uh, he is with us now to respond to this. And, you know, Bob, I think that Governor DeSantis is so right that we all can have a difference of opinion, but these types of personal attacks and outright lies that are coming from primarily the Trump camp. I mean, I don't see Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley's camp, um, and certainly not Governor DeSantis's camp, just promulgating these types of of lies and pushing these things um, against their political opponents in this primary. And so what does that tell you as as Christians and as 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 evangelicals, why uh, we need to push back against this, regardless of whether, you know, some people listening are still supporting uh, Donald Trump as their preferred candidate? Well, Jenna, first of all, thanks for having me on your show. And I think what it goes to is that we as believers uh, we need to choose and choose well. And we need to choose people who fear God, not believe they are God, choose, pe- choose people who are trustworthy, who hate dishonest gain, and who are capable of doing presence. That's, that's Exodus 18, verse 21. But also somebody that's going to be a statesman, a shepherd. Um, and quite frankly, a leader and a shepherd doesn't do this. What Donald Trump is doing is what you know really well, Jenna, you've seen this. It's the art of political warfare. Uh, you take an opponent's strength, in this case, the family leader's strength, which is high integrity, above reproach, everything's in the sunlight, and you try to make it their weakness. And so because I would go out and endorse Ron DeSantis, because I believe he's the best prepared to win in 2024, and then the best prepared to lead with a bold and courageous agenda, you know, that's against Donald Trump, so therefore he's going to lash out, he's going to attack And I'm telling you, that is not a stripe of a leader. Yeah, I think that's really well said, uh, Bob Vanderplatz. And so how has this, um, if at all, affected you and your ministry? And why do you think Donald Trump would attack you in this way? Well, he's attacking me because uh, I'm choosing not to, to bow down to say you're the guy. And you're the guy no matter what. I've always been one, Jenna, even when... I voted for Trump in 16. I voted for Trump in 20. I never did endorse him, but I did vote for him. But I would challenge believers all the time, don't tie your testimony to a person, not any person, not Donald Trump, not Ron DeSantis, not Mike Huckabee, not anybody. Don't tie your testimony to a person. You have to be willing to call balls and strikes. When he does things that are good, like move the embassy to Jerusalem or appoint three justices, cheer him on. But when he goes outside the lines, and in this case, lying against me, or when he lies against Governor Reynolds, or when he lies against you, Jenna, anybody that doesn't endorse him or or follow him, then you got to be willing to call him out. And we're solid enough leaders. We have a lot of trust built up with our base, with our ministry, and I've got a ton of support from in Iowa already and across the country saying, we've got your back. We know what's true and what isn't true. And I, and I think Bob Vanderplatz that that in in the the midst of these types of attacks that are so obviously false, you do see who are the your true friends and also who is willing to look um, and rightly divide truth from error, even if they say, "Well, I support Donald Trump for president, but I am willing to say that he shouldn't be." attacking out of bounds. He sh- the campaign should not be lying about um, multiple people who, who don't support uh, Trump for president. We can all 
uh, have our preferred candidate, but not go the way, frankly, the, the leftists and the liberals. I mean, this is a type of leftist mentality to simply attack your opponents. It's not Christian. It's not conservative. And I think for a lot of listeners as well that aren't as much online, on social media, on Truth Social, on X, they don't see some of these attacks day to day. Like, for example, um, Roger Stone, who is an advisor for the Trump campaign, um, calling Casey DeSantis a mom of three kids the the C word, which I will not use even not on on air. I will just simply never use it. I thought that was horrific. And yet we see the campaign and and social media influencers and Trump supporters actually defending that. Yeah. Yeah. So we always need to have a higher standard. Matter of fact, we remind people all the time that these people who run for public office, especially who hold public office, scripture refers to them as a minister of God because government is God's institution. And so when you have a minister of God, especially with the president of the United States, the highest office in the land, a world leader, you should never lower the bar for the minister of God. And so Roger Stone calling Casey DeSantis that word, which I won't mention either, or Donald Trump referring to Christians in Iowa as so-called Christians and pieces of, I won't use that word either, but basically human debris, that also tells you that's not the standard we should be looking for. Now, I think what it showcases more, Jenna, is Donald Trump's campaign is basically all based and founded on being vindictive, and it's about payback, and it's going to be about revenge. And again, that's not leadership. It's not leadership we need. We need someone who can look forward to the future and defend America versus defending himself. And so what would you say to those people? Because I, I get a lot of people all the time who write into this program and, and who contact me and say, well, we want somebody who wants revenge uh, because look at what has happened over uh, the last four years. Look at you know everything that's going on with the weaponization of government against Donald Trump and others. And, and we want that kind of person. Nobody else will understand that besides Donald Trump. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, in America, we have this interesting di- dynamic where the president is not just the CEO of government, but he is also the statesman of government. So you take a look at George Washington. Somebody tell me that he wasn't a bold and courageous leader, but he was also a statesman. Abe Lincoln, bold and courageous leader, but also a statesman. Ronald Reagan, bold and courageous leader, but also a statesman. You can have yes and, not either or. And what I'm saying is that if you buy into this, first of all, I believe, I believe Trump gets beat in 2024. I believe it's the most important election of our lifetime, so we need to choose well. So as I've said often, as you've seen, Jen, in my social media, my endorsement for Ron DeSantis is not against Donald Trump. It is for Ron DeSantis. It is for the future of this country. And that's what we need to be looking at, is that what is the best for the future of this country? And I think that is a perfect articulation of exactly how, especially Christians, but any conservative and anyone who cares about the future of America needs to view an endorsement and, and needs to view their vote and, and who uh, the GOP party nominates uh, for the party. Because uh, like you, I supported uh, President Trump ultimately in 2016. I was initially um, a Ted Cruz person, um, but then came around to Donald Trump and he did a lot better in his first term than I ever expected. And all of that was oh, before sure. I worked for him. And then I supported him and worked for him uh, for re-election in uh, 2020 and um, was you know very honored to, to serve 
uh, him while he was sitting president. Um, but this is a new election. And so for those who you know, are saying, well, this is a question of loyalty and, and all of these things in this type of rhetoric that's coming um, from the campaign, um, my view of it, like yours, um, is that we need to look at every new election and choose the best candidate, not be looking at the past. This isn't 2016. This isn't 2020. And regardless of whether Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or anybody else was running in this election, we always need to view the best option because we have a closed universe situation where there's only a set number of candidates running and we have to look at who is the best in the moment. And so you've chosen to endorse a uh, Governor DeSantis and that's for the future of America. So why is it that you chose to actually endorse him rather than uh, simply support him? Well, to, to be transparent, I was leaning towards Governor DeSantis all along. And the reason was of, of the leadership he showcased in Florida. And then I just showcased bold and courageous leadership on all the things that, you know, we hold dear as believers. Like, that's great leadership. But then he won in a landslide. And he won in demographics that we rarely win. And so he showcased he can win, he can take Florida off the map, and he's willing to be a bold and courageous leader. And he can serve two terms when you elect him. And he'll surround himself with the best and brightest people in order to execute his agenda. And I compare and contrast that with Donald Trump, where let's say he does get elected. He's a lame duck on day one because he cannot go for two terms. Two is who's he going to surround himself with? All the people that have come close to Trump have been sued into financial distress or financial ruin, and he has shown no propensity to have their back. So who's going to serve with him? And he's going to have a vindictive spirit. It's going to be a complete complaint about the past while he's under constant indictment. Our country needs and deserves better than that. And that's why I think Iowa, Jenna, it's tailor-made to deliver a Ron DeSantis to victory on January 15. And if Iowa delivers Ron DeSantis on January 15 to victory, I think now Iowa gives America a choice. Do you want to go with Ron, or with Donald Trump, who would be a lame duck on day one, or with Ron DeSantis, who could be a leader for two terms and get this country back on the right track? Yeah, and, and I think that that is a very fair analysis that is worth considering. And there are certainly reasons that I fully understand why many of our listeners um, support President Trump. But I also encourage people to look at uh, the the overall view of what is best for the country. And, and certainly I have supported Governor DeSantis for all of the reasons um, that you have articulated. And so for for people who are uh, really having a difficult time with this and they think, you know, how can you possibly not uh, try to give Donald Trump another chance and, you know, all of these other things, um, what is the metric that, that you would encourage our fellow Christian conservatives um, how to make this type of decision with putting aside the personality sort of um, fealty to an individual instead of looking at where our, our true loyalty in terms of exercising our vote should lie, which is first and foremost mm -hmm. to Christ, but then to use our vote in the best way to genuinely be good citizens? Yes, yeah, a great question. It's one that uh, we encounter uh, from time to time. And yesterday, actually, during an interview, uh, the person interviewing me, I called Donald Trump a friend. And he said to me, you still refer to him as a friend after everything he's done against you? I said, listen, I know what he's doing. I do consider him a friend. And scripture says you can trust the wounds of a friend, meaning 
this is not against Trump. I'm just telling Trump, listen, you had your time. It was great. Thank you for all the things that you did. But it's time to turn the page. And I really think the best for Trump and the best for America and the best for Trump supporters is to get behind a candidate who can carry a movement forward for two terms that really will impact not just you and your generation, but subsequent generations. So this is not against Trump. Uh, you going with a Ron DeSantis or whoever else the choice would be, is that's not against Trump. That's for the future of the country. So we just need to be wise. We need to choose prayerfully and carefully and choose well when it comes time for your vote. Yeah, well said. And and that's exactly uh, my analysis as well, because people have asked me, you know, you've worked for Trump, you know him personally, how can you support DeSantis? And, and you're right, it is not against Trump, who I still consider a friend as well, and I know him and his family personally. It is for the future of the country, and that's exactly uh, my analysis as well. So in just the last uh, two minutes I have with you, Bob Vanderplatz, and I so appreciate you coming on and addressing this directly, uh, looking forward to the debate between Governor uh, Newsom and Governor DeSantis DeSantis, what do you expect from that, and uh, how can Governor DeSantis showcase the worldview of conservatism and truth? Well, I think it's a crucial debate, and I would really encourage all of your listeners to tune into that debate, because what you're going to see showcased and highlighted is a tale of two cities, but in this case, a tale of two states. One is California, and that's probably enough said. California's got a lot of issues. Uh, they're taxing their people into oblivion. People are leaving the state in droves. Droves. They bought into a woke agenda. Uh, it's an abortion destination state. It's LGBTQ+. Plus. It's taking away parental rights. And then you're going to take a look at Florida. In Florida, where people are moving to in droves. Why? Because it's a great climate to do business. It's a great climate to raise a family. It's uh, Parental rights are embraced. School choice is offered. Uh, they treat people like adults when it comes to COVID. They allow you to have your freedom. You're going to see a tale of two governors, a tale of two states. And we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. Finally, some good news. Because of you, Preborn has rescued over 44,000 babies this year alone. Right now, thousands of mothers are awaiting birth of their precious babies, and thousands upon thousands of babies are taking their first breath. Since its beginnings, Preborn's Networks of Clinics has rescued over 270,000 babies. That is a miracle. The overturning of Roe versus Wade only made the left more ravenous for the blood of the innocent. So now we need to be more passionate to save babies. Thanks to Preborn, we can do just that. For $28, you can empower a mother to choose life. Once she sees the precious life growing inside of her and hears her baby's heartbeat, she is twice as likely to choose life. And right now, through your match, your gift is doubled. Please give your most generous gift that will go 100% toward life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back. And uh, sorry, we had to to uh, cut off Bob Vanderplatz and we were running up against a hard break. But um, I wanted to just kind of wrap up that segment by saying you can always reach me and my team, Jenna, at AFR.net. And I think that, um, you know, well... 
Uh, a lot of listeners with uh, AFR have very different opinions on the election, as, as we should and as we can. Um, the overall point is that we need to be willing to look at this primary in a Christian view and also uh, be willing to hear our fellow Christians for um, how they are choosing to view the primary. And so it's not a matter of loyalty to a specific person. It's not a matter of um, the the clash between the candidates. I have been um, very saddened, quite frankly, to see how uh, this new campaign for Donald Trump has treated a lot of people, um, not only me, but also um, a lot of other uh, DeSantis supporters and uh, the DeSantis family, including uh, Casey specifically, who is not herself running. She's simply supporting her husband in that endeavor um, and and frankly, just lying about um, about her and her husband and, and other supporters like Bob Vanderplatz. Um, that is never OK in any situation. We should always be calling out truth. Um, I was willing to call out a uh, an influencer on social media um, for Vivek Ramaswamy, who's a friend of mine, um, who knows, you know, I'm supporting Governor DeSantis, but I'm willing to call out the truth. And I posted that on uh, X because I am always willing to speak the truth and to give you my straight, direct um, opinion, which, of course, um, has continued to develop over the course of this campaign. And um, like Bob Vanderplatz, I was initially um, leaning toward Governor DeSantis for a lot of the same reasons. And then um, ultimately seeing, you know, all of this um, chose to, in my personal capacity, AF, AFA, of course, is a nonprofit, does not um, endorse any candidates. So just in my own personal capacity as me, um, choose to support. Governor DeSantis and to be, you know, labeled and called names and all of this other stuff simply for our differences in support, especially in a primary, is not Christian. It's not um, anything that we should be participating in. And we need to call it out. And I will call out a DeSantis influencers or his campaign or him um, if there is something that I believe is uh, is false or is something that is not good for America or I disagree with. I've done that with um, his view on the Walt Disney Company. I know there's a lot of differences of opinions there. So, um, so let's move forward in this hotly contested primary and remember that first and foremost, we are all Christians first. We can have a difference of opinion on who to support because ultimately, like our founders, we all want unanimously the best interests of America and our country so that we can continue to promote the truth of the gospel of Christ. So um, so now changing subjects, and I would like to um, invite my next guest in who is consistently speaking the truth about his own uh, story and to correct a uh, the misleading narrative surrounding uh, surrounding events um, in his life. Uh, you all know Kyle Rittenhouse is um, a very dear friend of mine and has gone through so much over the last few years since um, the Kenosha events and then his trial and then, of course, all of uh, the lies that are told about him as well. I mean, people still consistently uh, call him, you know, a murderer online, which is just horrific because a jury of his peers literally said you are not. Um, and 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 found him not guilty of the offenses charged. So, um, Kyle, first of all, um, thank you so much for standing for the truth and for the Lord. And you've now written a book to correct um, this misleading narrative or all of the misleading narratives about uh, you and to tell your story. So why was this so important to write this book? Well, Jenna, thank you for having me on your uh, radio show. It was important to write the book because 
there were a lot of narratives that were false, and I just wanted to get out of get out ahead of it and just put the truth out once and for all and tell my story and tell the people what really happened and hopefully change a few minds and allow people to get to know the real me and get to understand what my life was like before the incident and after the incident. Yeah. And, you know, Kyle, I I think a lot of people um, who and and you and I have talked about this a lot offline and um, and I appreciate your perspectives on this and your encouragement um, to me and the Lord as well. You know that that so many people when they know you just for one thing and of course you um, were brought to national prominence um, because of the incident in uh, in 2020. Um, people don't know that you have an entire life before that, and now you will have an entire life after that. And so how how difficult has this been for people who just make a lot of assumptions about you because of one thing in your life rather than knowing um, the full picture? It's been incredibly difficult. It's been difficult going out because there's people who don't know the true story and have made their mind up with the false narrative that the left-leaning media has given them. So I'll face harassment and I'll get constant death threats online. And it's just nonstop. And I'm hoping that maybe somebody will read the book and they'll tell their friend to read the book and then they'll read the book and it'll change their mind. And then, and then this harassment can stop and people can just know the whole story of who I am. Yeah, and 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 I'm so sorry for all of the um, the hate and harassment and threats and everything that you have endured. It is um, not only so unfair, but it is it is genuinely evil. And uh, the the harassment and the threats, um, and certainly for people who believe some of these narratives without investigating for themselves, um, this is a great thing to be able to publish this book. And you can file uh, find this at Kyle Rittenhouse Book. Dot com and uh, what is the title? It's uh, actually RittenhouseBook.com. Okay. Oh, so so RittenhouseBook.com. My apologies for that. Uh, so RittenhouseBook.com and you know as you're as you're facing some of these um, these left leaning narratives, what has been probably the most important myth or spin that you wanted to correct in this book? There's a lot of people who think I grew up wealthy or I had everything handed to me my entire life, and that's just not true. I grew up on government-subsidized housing with a drug addict dad and a mom who was working 80-hour weeks to put food on the table. It wasn't easy growing up. I was having struggles just like most everyday Americans, and I just wanted to reflect that to the people and tell them that I've had struggles, I have struggles, and just voice that my life wasn't the easiest growing up. Mm. And, and the book is called Acquitted, and you can find that at rittenhousebook.com. I appreciate that, uh, the correct website. And, you know, you give a little bit um, here on the on the homepage of your story and talking about how, you know, you never wanted to be a public figure, and um, this this happened, that you were led to, uh, to prominence through this event. Um, you were attacked, you defended yourself, you were prosecuted, and you were acquitted. And... Um, for the people who just can't understand that because of their political leanings or they just want to, for whatever reason, believe a false narrative, um, I think this is a great opportunity uh, to to get the truth out there and get your story out there.
out there. And, and I, um, I sympathize with you, Kyle, because, you know, I understand what it's like to be, um, to be lied about or people believing false things about you. Or, I mean, even, even yesterday, there was somebody on X that said, you know, Jenna Ellis has said that she's going to vote for Joe Biden um, if Trump's the nominee. And I'm like, that's totally false, you know? I mean, but it's like, but then it just goes viral. And it's crazy that the lies will go further than the truth. But you have a great um, support system. You have so many people that are around you and you have um, really re- rededicated your life to the Lord through this experience. Um, so for our Christian audience, um, how has this whole experience, um, because, you know, our, our Lord himself was no stranger to being lied about, to um, having false accusations, all of these things hurled at him. Um, how has your um, your experience really impacted your Christian faith? It's really impacted my Christian faith by, it, one, it's helped me grow closer to the Lord, and I'm still growing closer, I'm still learning things, but it's helped me find a sense of peace when I feel like all around me is darkness. It's helped me find that peace around me to just keep going and getting up in the morning and finding strength and putting my faith into Him and knowing that I can count on Him and trust Him. Yeah, and you know, Kyle, um, a lot of young people really look up to you because they see what you have gone through. They see um, how you have had strength and resolve um, to to answer these false accusations, to get through something as, as frankly traumatizing as, um, as a trial and the entire system of being prosecuted. And so how would you encourage other uh, young people who are facing difficulties and traumas in their own life to look to the Lord and to find that same strength and resolve that you have? A lot of times when you're in these situations, you'll feel alone and like you have nobody, but that's just not true. You always have somebody. There's always somebody looking out for you, and that's God. God is always in your corner no matter what, and you can always put your trust in the, into Him. He's a loving God. He's a forgiving God, and you can always find peace knowing that. Mm, yeah, really well said. Well, Kyle, thanks so much for joining today. Uh, get Kyle's new book. It is uh, The title is Acquitted, and the correct website is rittenhousebook.com, and you can uh, go and get uh, a, a pre-order for this book, and you can also pre-order a signed copy. So the book is titled Acquitted by Kyle Rittenhouse, and it is, it is at rittenhousebook.com. All right, so in the last few minutes this morning, I want to get to um, a couple of, of other uh, headlines. First, some good news, and then uh, something yesterday that you just won't believe that was absolutely hilarious of the Biden administration. But first, the good news. Over 32,000 babies have been saved since the Dobbs decision. That is a, a wonderful um, answer to prayer, something that we can all be thankful for. And this comes from Fox News. Since the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade in June 2022, at least 32,000 babies have been born that would otherwise have been aborted. The babies were born in states that enacted some form of abortion restriction, according to the study that was conducted by the Institute of Labor Economics that looked into the effects of the U.S. Supreme Court decision in the Dobbs case, which returned the issue of abortion uh, to the states or their representatives. Uh, quote, our primary analysis indicates that in the first six months of 2023, births rose by an average of 23 
23% in states enforcing total abortion bans compared to a control group of states where abortion rights remained protected. That coming from the Institute of Labor Economics. And so um, our good friend Lila Rose said uh, this is absolutely amazing. And she uh, posted this on X. 32,000 boys and girls were saved, protected from being killed by abortion because of the fall of Roe and the life-saving laws that went into effect. Every one of these children is a miracle. This is why we do this work. And so um, here at AFR, we, of course, champion life and truth um, and the biblical worldview and understanding that everything that we do in civil government must be premised on a foundation of truth. And we build our moral and upright society based in a knowledge and understanding of truth and that God is our creator and that he is our divine lawgiver, that he is uh, the standard of right and wrong, um, and that everything that is in conformance with the nature and character of God is truth, and everything that is not is either a perversion or completely false. And so we look to uh, the Lord for the standard of morality, and we can continue to advocate uh, for truth. And I am just thanking the Lord this week that over 32,000 babies have been saved. And um, imagine how their their lives, of course, have been saved, but now changed. And, and imagine how much they will change um, the, the future of our world because they have life. And we're so grateful for that. And uh, so now the the hilarious um, faux pas, I think we can we can say from the Biden administration, education secretary, uh, Miguel Cordona, yesterday botched one of Ronald Reagan's most famous lines. And according to the New York Post, he might want to take a refresher course in history. So this is a newly unearthed clip of Cardona um, that revealed the Biden cabinet member who I, I think just genuinely did not know this quotation from Ronald Reagan. But listen to this. This is cut to, you know, we're going to set up follow up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Um, there's, there are resources there. There's technical assistance there. And there's a playbook that could support the work you're doing. Count on us as a partner in this. Our students are waiting. Thank you. Yeah. So the actual quote is the nine most terrifying words in the English language are I'm from the government and I'm here to help. But of course, the Biden administration has absolutely no idea. And uh, I, I think it's 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 hilariously tragic that the education secretary sounded very genuine, in my opinion. He sounded genuine by saying, you know, I think it was Ronald Reagan who said, we're from the government and we're here to help. And so we'll be there for you. And this is education. But isn't that so exactly what the leftists and those who want big government are suggesting. And so this was a, a I think, a moment that will go down in the history of hilarious faux pas that, no, those are the terrifying words that I'm from the government, I'm here to help. Government, get out of our lives. Government should be there just to secure our rights and for we, the people, to choose our own direction in life and to pursue happiness and to direct our families and our ministries. You're not here to help. You're from the government. Get out of our lives is what I would say. But the actual quotation, the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. So maybe the Biden education secretary needs his own education. But we'll be back tomorrow here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. Again, you can always reach me and my team at Jenna at AFR.net.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.